Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode with Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O for anyone who's out there. You can find us on Instagram at Justin Bizarro or at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. And I'm so happy today we have Mel back um, from Once Upon a Time in France, but we're actually going to talk about his other restaurant, which is Overlord today. So I'm very excited about that out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and I want to quick get into something before we, we get started with Mel. Um, I had a, a few things that I wanted to go over, just questions and commentary I've got over the last few episodes. And um, so I just want to address a few things. One is, like, I built this podcast, or I shouldn't say I, we built, my, my family, my previous significant other, we built it out of our garage. We built a studio in our garage and we launched a podcast to help promote when we were in the food production business because we wanted to give back and we wanted to help. It wasn't like it was something that we did, but as entrepreneurs, we didn't, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't want to go to a studio and pay for some, someone to do it. So I figured out how to do it on my own. And then we did it in Georgia and now we're doing it in Nashville, you know, and we, we were, we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? We found a space, we built it ourselves. We're on our own schedule and entrepreneurs do that. I, I have to have a barber down the street. I have to have every, a grocery store down the street, wherever I live. Everything's about being intentional with my time as an entrepreneur, even with this podcast. So I know everyone's like, what's going on or whatever. And, and, um, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's not something that just happened. We just basically relaunched it because I had an opportunity to relaunch the podcast. It wasn't, I wasn't even going to. Okay. So the question is why? I don't know how to tell you why. It's just a random person in Littleton, Colorado told me that I should put Big Apple Bodega on the, on the podcast when I was like, I don't ever want to do public again. I don't want to ever be public speaking. People attack you. People misconceive things. People come after you and try to knock you down. It's a hard life. It's even harder than being an entrepreneur and speaking publicly because as an entrepreneur, you already skate lines and you cast visions that people are like, oh my God, that's not true. Of course it's not true. I'm casting a vision of the future. It's no different than Martin Luther King saying, I believe everyone will be free and equal. It wasn't true at the time. You're casting a vision. So this is what we're doing here. And and just the other question, I'm not a foodie and I'm not a food blogger. Okay, that's not what I'm doing here. And I just want to be very clear on what that is. I am not looking for free food. I don't go to these restaurants and ask the restaurateurs to give me food. I pay for it. You can ask anyone. I pay for the food when I go there. I'm not looking for something for free or to take something from them. Okay? That is the difference between me. I don't need someone to put me up in a hotel. I don't want anyone to give me anything because I don't want to ever get soft. And I've never had anyone give me anything where it's benefited me. Okay? So that's that's the truth, okay? So no, all the saying that's out there, I'm not looking for a free meal. I'm not looking for downloads on a podcast. I'm looking to make impact, okay? I'm not attaching myself to the instant gratification of now. I'm thinking that someone might hear, hear Mel, maybe even two years from now, and that kid needs hope because he's down and out and he's on the ground and he's an immigrant that's come to this country and he needs to figure out how he's gonna make a living. That's why we're doing this. And so no... And I'm not going to collaborate with that. And that's my fault. I may have accidentally set a standard or or projected something that I didn't intentionally do. But the food is an important part of a restaurant and it needs to be good. But I'm sorry, it's about 10% of what makes the restaurant successful. It's the entry point. 
is good food. I'm sorry. That is what I feel like. And I'm not making a living off of everyone else's hard work. That's not what I'm doing. I already did the hard work. That's why I can talk to these entrepreneurs about the hard work I've already done. I'm not someone who's out there and did, I've had to sleep in cars. I've had to go without food. I've had to hurt my family unintentionally to, to help the employees, you know, and that's the way it is. And I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not someone who goes, works in corporate America and is also an entrepreneur. I have to, I've had to scratch, claw, and weigh my way through everything because I refuse to be a part of that. I refuse to lose my creativity and my sense of entrepreneurism and goodness and uncomfortable feeling that I have of wanting to be excellent to go that route. So that's my commentary. I think I answered like 15 different questions in that commentary. So with that being said, Mel, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. We're, uh, working uh, ten hours a day minimum. <laughs> yeah, that. And I will say this: I have never um, been in my business where I've worked less than that. I mean, people will yeah. argue it, but you know, it's sometimes as an entrepreneur you don't work ten hours straight because everyone's like, "Oh, I didn't see him work ten hours." Well, it's not always straight. That's not the way it works. We got to go home. We got to get kids. We got to fit in our mm-hmm. family, and we got to run our business. So. It's strategic. Yeah, you're you're just constantly, actually constantly working anyway because your phone's got to be, you know, ready for if there's an emergency, uh, you have to be able to always. I mean, it's it's such a responsibility that sometimes, I know it's not really true, but sometimes I, <laughs> I'm a bit jealous of people that do a nine to, nine to five for a boss and they just go home and it's all good and they don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> I, I, but no, I'm joking. I'm, I don't want to act like this. <laughs> I actually, I will say that every once in a while I think about it and there is like, oh, that would be really nice. Someone else has to worry about signing the front of the check as I call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I can't do it for the life of me. I like, I yeah, literally, right. all I come to the edge, and I think it's the opposite for people who aren't entrepreneurs that are trying to be an entrepreneur, and they're like, and they're like, I just can't do it, you know, because you don't have it in them. It's the same thing for me. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I will hustle my way around. I will DoorDash here and there if I have to for money or, or to spread the news of the podcast. I will hustle whatever it takes not to spend money. And I will do whatever it takes to be efficient with my money. I just said I use my own studios. That's because I don't want to pay someone else to use theirs or use other people. I'm an entrepreneur. Every dollar matters. It's about stretching the existing dollars. And Mel, you did a great job of that with building Once Upon a Time in France. So let's talk about how did you build Overlord? Was it with the same philosophy? Like, you know, do it all yourself, hands on. I'm going to get my hands dirty. Yeah, and even even more than that because uh, the restaurant is me and my father, and Overlord is just me. Uh, so I, I funded, built, uh, d- designed this bar all by myself. the uh, The idea I had at first was that I wanted a large, larger uh, um, space that the restaurant is about twelve hundred square foot, and I wanted something bigger, something with a VIP room, something with a pool table, live music, a place that would be living. Uh, so I, I signed the lease and I would say also that uh, we always say that the bigger the risk, the better the reward. Um, Absolutely. And I signed free leases uh, for my for other businesses right in the middle of COVID. So that was pretty <laughs> risky. I could have, <laughs> I could have, I, I didn't know if there was going to be another wave of COVID that would, would be worse. I didn't know back then there were, people were still wearing masks. And I mean, it was 
a lot of unknown back then, but also that's what motivated me. I told myself, hey, I'm going to take this opportunity that nobody else took because they're scared, but it's fine. I'll take it. So I, I signed the lease for a 2,500 square foot uh, space, not far, walk, walking distance from the restaurant almost. And um, so that's how I started. I uh, I did everything myself. I uh, The place was really just a, a blank canvas. So there wasn't any drywall or something. It was just completely empty and I built it uh, from scratch. Uh, I the, I added a lot, lot of decor that are antique. I, I found some... Uh, booths and wine cabinets that come from a 1940s restaurant uh, in ohio I have oh, that's an, awesome yeah i have 1930s uh, uh prohibition era bar that i bought that i restored and i put in there so the place looks uh pretty eclectic you know did the name come first or the the so, furniture because i'm like if you found the furniture were you looking for it because of the name because i'm like well now i'm understanding well, the name the, and the attachment to the antique well i'll tell you the whole concept the whole concept is that i really wanted to pay an homage to the world war ii soldiers uh from oh, God, the, the gis and americans that came to europe and that actually I mean, I would say like a save Europe, uh, not only them, of course, <laughs> I can't put it all on the Americans, but uh, already uh, Operation Overlord, so that was the code name for uh, um, the Normandy landing, so that was the beginning of, of the end of, of War II. Uh, and, and, you know, to me, I was, as an, uh, a French immigrant, uh, it, was, it was a way for me to show a lot of different uh, things, uh, and especially telling people that that freedom uh, is something that you have to fight for and we all take it for granted it's you know we're if we're here and that's what i put in in the uh wooden plank that i i put over there the bar, the bar but as i said uh, some people have lost their lives uh uh and uh, to for us to be able to just sit in a bar and enjoy a drink <laughs> it's very and, true actually yeah, and even and, uh, have the the last 70 years of creativity yeah, and the amount of food yeah. and different types of drinks and mixology we have mm -hmm. because of that freedom yeah and we uh i mean we don't think about them and uh if we're leaving <laughs> well i opened this i opened this bar before the war in ukraine but i before that i was saying that we're we're living in a relatively peaceful world compared to how it was in the past so uh, this also comes because uh, some battles have been won, and and now we have a pretty comfortable life thanks to these these battles, you know. Yeah, and I I I just I'm blown away by you because I almost don't believe you exist in some ways, Mel, because I haven't met you yet. <laughs> exaggerate. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a, yes, I tend to exaggerate. People will figure that out about me That's sooner or later. It's your Italian side. Yeah, it's my Italian side, and it's so funny because people in the South have such a problem with it as the Bible Belt, but it's like this European thing where you and it's very just emotional, and it's just whatever. But anyway, it's a long story, and it's definitely a New York thing, but since spending time there <laughs> but it's um <clears throat> it's really really true though because what is needed so bad right now is this vision that you're casting into what you're doing because we forget how important it is to have the ability you're right to have a drink at a bar and i can't emphasize this yeah. enough and i actually made notes on this um because this just happened to me the other day in nashville and it reminded me of something. There was, it's a, a woman and her two kids. And 
they're on the street right now and like uh, and whatever. And there's two things that happen that with this woman because I've passed her a bunch. Like I try to give money to everyone every day, and everyone's like, "Why do you do that? You don't know what they're using it for. What it's for drugs? Well, if it's for drugs, they still need it more than I do. They still need the two dollars more than I do. Okay, honestly, I don't need it. I don't need to live that way. So that's one. But the other part is is a couple of days ago, like someone's like going off on this lady about how she stole bread from the back of something or her kids or something like that. And I'm just like, you pass this woman every day. You're worried about the bread. How about putting your hand in your pocket and just paying the two bucks for the bread on her behalf and doing the right thing? And so this is the thing that I find interesting. I've been to Europe before and I've seen something similar where people are starving and they're having to take bread or the kid walks up and they're about to steal and the patron or the owner of the store knows better. He's like, well, if I feed them every day, they're less likely to steal and then there's not an incident. And it's no different than being in food service. We feed the employees every day so they don't steal the food. And so like, there's a certain humanness that needs to go along with the world and giving and I think it's important. I think unless you're in a world where that's truly suffered, that that doesn't have abundance as we talked about in the last podcast, you don't understand what I'm talking about here and to you it's someone's just stealing and it's very black and white and it's not really what's going on there. It's I know there's a moral and ethical thing about stealing but we're skating a different moral and ethical line than whether or not it's right to steal or not at this point. We're starting to get into life or death. And what I like about what you're doing with the restaurant is that, is we're honoring that it, it that people have died. It has been life or death to get to where we are. And there's people still today that are suffering from this in other countries that do have wars going on, that are still fighting for freedom, that don't get to do this in the bar. So... I don't know if I tied that picture together properly with the bread scenario, but I hope I did because it's a mindset thing, guys. And when you're a part of a community versus it's me me and what I get out of a community, those are two different things. And what Mel's doing is he's living the American dream as part of the American community, not as an individual trying to extract from the community. Does that, does that make sense? And do you hear what I'm saying as well, Mel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, and it's. Uh, I think it's also important as a, as an immigrant to to, um, to celebrate the the things that the the country that welcomes you ha- has done. And for me, uh, you know, Europe was occupied uh, by the Nazis, and and once once uh, this operation started, it was the started the start of the liberation. So it's. I mean, it's it's nice. I think everybody should do that. You know, find something that they think changed the world in a good way, and and praise it. And uh, you know, I think it's pretty important. And I agree with you because here's the difference. And and let's talk about it just from a logical standpoint, guys. At the end of the day, what makes a boxer or a soccer player or whatever better or able to go longer or Tom Brady is they're able to dig to a place and find a purpose and a passion that other people don't have. Okay, I just read about like Belgian star soccer player Eden Hazard retired at 31. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Messi are pushing way more than that at this point in terms of soccer years. They're dinosaurs. They're ancient comparatively to when Pele retired and all those guys, I believe. And so, and even Tom Brady. So 
What I'm talking about is there is a difference when you have a purpose and you believe in yourself innately more than anyone else believes in you. And it's always going to be you believing in your dream way more than anyone else. Every It's you versus everyone else in the world. Always in that regard. Though people that do believe it, and I believe in what Mel's doing, but it took Mel having to go through the trenches and fight for his life before he even got to me, before I believed in him however many years later, like 12 years later, you know, of starting. So, you know, 13 years later, you know, so I don't, you know, I can't even put numbers to it, but it's a long time because you can hear in him the hustle and the humility that he's been given by doing it. So um, I love this, Mel, because you found purpose. And when you breed purpose in your business, the hardest days, you can rely on that purpose to keep going. And you can rely on that purpose to keep going for years, which is the discipline and commitment that we've seen from Mel, which is why he was able to do three businesses in one year, right? Like you're dominating right now. You're a well-ordered machine. And while you say you're working like 10 hours a week, it's by (laughs) choice, right? So you're choosing the life that you want and, and starting to sow the future that you want. You know, and it's pretty cool. And I agree, that's the American dream. So one of the things I want to focus on on the American dream that you talked about was this sort of, I don't know, I think you touched upon it, but the Nazis spread darkness, okay? They claim to be spreading light, okay? And they claim to be spreading goodness, and this was what's best for the people and the the supreme race and, and whatever. We know the story and we know what happened to the Jewish people. Um, as a whole uh, um, at that time who were in Europe or, or Russia for that matter. Um, and the thing about it is, is, and I love this lesson because it's very important as entrepreneurs and it's very important that we understand this in society is that often light is a reflection off of darkness like water, okay? And people share light are claimed to be doing things, but what they're doing is destroying someone in the process, okay? That's what happened. Oh, we're this is for the best of the German people, but yet we're annihilating all these people, and they're disappearing, and we put gold stars on them, okay? Like, that's the twist here, okay? And so what Mel's doing, and what I think is important, and what he's honoring is the light, the freedom, the, the, the reason we get to have the dream. The true light is is what we're fighting for. And I will tell you that the World War II soldiers from America and France that were fighting for their freedom, it wasn't always in light. There were dark times. There were things that they had to do where their own morals and ethics went out the tubes just to try to fight for freedom or do what was right for their family back here in America. So I just, there's a lot of things that we honor here and sacrifices people made morally, ethically, with their lives, without their lives, for their families, losing, you know, ever coming home that we're honoring right here. And as Americans, like this is what makes us great is we are willing to fight for what we believe yeah, in. It's true. And we have to find that and it's not fighting each other and it's not shedding darkness on someone and knocking down another person's building or the tall poppy syndrome that is you know every time a poppy grows taller than someone else everyone goes and tries to cut it down and it's big in australia but it is very big in the united states right now and it is very big particularly in this town in nashville because of the individualism that has to exist for the musicians for the entrepreneurs for the foodies like anytime someone starts rising up people are trying to 
take it and they claim to be friends, but you know, oh, here, get drunk tonight uh, during your freaking gig. Okay, that's a bad idea. That person's not your friend. I hate to break it to you that you may think they are, but if they're getting you so drunk, like you're you're having emotional night at the end of the night, that's not a friend. And so this is what I'm talking about. It, it exists. It exists as entrepreneurs. It exists out there that if you, you think you can do it better, don't knock someone else down, okay? They're learning, they're whatever. You can give them commentary, I think that's great. But go do it better if you think you can do it better. Like really, like if you yeah. wanna do it better, go do it better. That's the American dream. Like don't, the American dream is not to go hack someone down or cut them down. That's the German way of doing things. We just established that. Hack down the people that are doing better than us, apparently, the yeah. You know, I would say that this is a it's not not really that much the case in the US and that's also one of the reasons why I moved here is that I've always been uh, an entrepreneur and had a lot a lot of uh ideas and projects and I knew I was going to need an environment that is good for it and in France it's absolutely not the case. In France success is seen as a bad thing. Yeah. Um, making a living, making money not uh, on by a I mean, making money in a good way by working hard is is still not seen as a good thing in France. So, so uh, everyone is yeah, everyone is jealous to each other. Everyone talks behind the back. Uh, it's a country that does not absolutely not make you want to uh, to do more. You know, if you and then, but in the U.S., frankly, it's it's very reassuring. Like everywhere. I've been here seven years. Everywhere I would go, every time I would talk to people about what I was doing, everyone was always enthusiastic. Everyone was always uh, motivating me and say, "Oh, that's awesome, Mel! You should do it. It's so great." In France, people would have been like, "Oh, are you sure? Because yeah. that might not work." And, and I'm so tired of this, you know. And so, I mean, we can say this because it's like that everywhere in the world, anyway. But it's probably less the case in the U.S. than, than in France, that's for sure. Very cool. That's a, that's what I was looking for. I'm glad you said that. And that's exactly what it is, is because and no matter how many times you get cut down here or we have the tall poppy, it's still not as bad as everywhere else. OK, yeah. like and that's uh, and I and hear everyone and I hear it and I'm a part of it. I feel it all the time. Believe me. But it's still not as bad as ever as other places. OK, which is yeah. the majority of the world. A, there's a drive here, you know, from people to other people. Everyone is motivating each other. And this is what built this country is that energy that was always unlimited. And people kept pushing each other to do more instead of uh, restraining themselves, you know. Absolutely. So let's talk about Overlord a little more. You, you've set up this and, you know, you've got the antique bar and or, or furniture and stuff like that. You finish it out like... Is there food there? Is it mostly drinking? Like, I mean, is it uh, like cafe-ish, but bar style or well, in mixology? The thing is like, uh, bars in France, true bars absolutely don't serve food at all. Yeah, uh, maybe just like charcuterie, saucisson, maybe maybe a small cheese plate, and that's it. Wow. So I, I never ever intended to have food over there. Although you know, the city of Nashville makes you have to have food. And depending on the amount of food sales you have, your liquor license is going to cost you a certain amount. Really? I and did not know that. Yeah. And legally, you have to have one warm item. Uh, so, <laughs> I, wow. uh, yeah, French, uh, European stuff, I, I looked at so many options. I didn't know what type of food I wanted to do uh, because I did not want to do any food. 
but uh, I ended up uh, doing paninis uh, because it's you know it's Italian and and it's it's easy to make and uh, found some pretty great recipes and I think I had one yesterday. I think they're pretty pretty great. Uh, I never really advertised about it. People didn't ever talk about it, but the paninis there are really great, especially. Uh, you know, when you're drinking and you need something a little bit uh, with cheese melting and uh, pepperoni and stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love um, I love paninis as well because it's like, well, I like sandwiches in general and burgers and like, I don't know why that's just my food. And like, I spend a lot of time in Europe. So it's always so easy for me to just get the bread with the cheese and the meat in it. So once it became panini, it's like, okay, this is like a different version, right? It's just basically pressing it. Um, so I love this. So, okay, what goes along with the paninis? Because now you've decided on the food. How do you decide on the drinks and stuff? Uh, that drinks. So, I mean, my uh, my goal was, uh, it's funny because I would say in America, since we talk about the differences, is that Americans always need things to be uh to be checking a, a, a specific case. They When something's out of the ordinary, when something's a little bit unique and different, uh, they have a hard time understanding it. And that's one of the issues I've ran at first with Overlord. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, yeah I, was, I was trying to have a bar that would be as friendly as a dive bar, but looking very beautiful, and, and, and which is the case. And so people don't understand when they go to it. They said, oh, is that a, a luxury cocktail bar, fancy, or is that... A dive bar where I'm going to have a PBR. They, <laughs> yeah. they never really Everyone understood. uses that word a lot now. Yeah, dive it's bar. Kind of I'm stuck not in really between. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's, this business was stuck in between, uh, which what I thought was going to be the strength for that bar uh, became a little bit of its weakness because uh, people didn't understand at first. I mean, the one I said at first, now it's really doing well. And people are understanding a little bit better, but people had certain expectations at first that. They just did not understand, you know. They, so because also we serve uh, beer, wine, and cocktails. It was not a cocktail bar. It was not a beer bar, and it was not a wine bar. It was a bar that has a little bit of everything. So I was trying to please everyone. Well, and uh, we tend because, to over categorize things as Americans. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I'm like, hey, I, I, it's not because I go to a cocktail bar that I shouldn't have a nice glass of of wine, but but you know, like people don't necessarily have that spirit they they go to cocktail bar it has to be cocktails and that's it you know <laughs> no i'm in 100 percent agreement with you and it's interesting because while we're very creative and entrepreneurial as americans we also get stuck in very black and white sequences yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. we a, compartmentalize some, yeah. because that's how we grew right we standardize everything we were like really standardize everything as the u.s that's why right. our, we don't go by the metric Absolutely. system yeah and so like we were able just so everyone knows and i'm going to talk about this on the podcast the reason the united states goes by a different measuring system is because when we became a country a really smart person said oh, let's just change the way we measure everything. That way we know if it's been imported properly and other countries know if it's from the United States because it's measured differently. And that's all they had to do to double check that things were imported properly and the stamps weren't fake is it was properly measured by that thing. And so, and went through the proper measurement. So it was a check and balance to grow a country at a quicker rate. And we also had our own system that everyone else didn't know and couldn't convert to. So I gave us an edge during times of war early on, just saying. So- uh, yeah. And we measure food differently. We measure everything differently than the rest of the world. Okay, that doesn't mean we have but the I better would, system. But yeah, 
I would say though, uh, I mean, Americans truly, truly love things that are different. Like, I, I'm yeah. not saying that they don't like it. I'm saying sometimes they don't understand it and yeah. they don't expect it. They yeah. think they go to a bar, they expect something special, and that's that's something we, that's a fight that we've been able to win at the restaurant because we set the rules and uh, once upon a time we yeah. say, "Hey guys, don't expect a burger uh, that's that's French inspired, but it's still a burger." No, we won't have that. Don't expect. Uh, white tablecloth and uh, wine service very nicely because it's a bistro it's not a restaurant yeah. don't expect all this we on our website we even have a category where we explain what to expect so people read that they and they they walk in and be like oh, okay so and, and it worked and it worked and we're super packed and people actually love this so sometimes I, you have you have yeah. as a food entrepreneur you have to be the one dominating and 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 telling clients listen this is how it's going to be in my establishment if you like it uh, that's great. If you don't, I suggest you go to another place because uh, that's how we make things here. You know? And this is what I love about Nashville. For some reason, everyone gets that slight bit here. New York gets it a lot too, at least uh, a lot of New Yorkers who like get the showmanship and even in a bagel shop as we just did an mm -hmm. interview. But the showmanship is so important. And what I'm talking about the showmanship is what Mel just did was sell the vision. He sold the vision to the clients. He yeah. didn't wait for them to assume it because he's like, oh my gosh, they don't know what it is. I'm going to have to tell them because, hey, we overcategorize <laughs> things and sometimes true, it does take time, but he had to cast the vision. He had, yeah. he had to tell them the dream and it's no different in a movie where they pre-log in Star Wars what's about to happen before the movie starts. That's what we're mm -hmm. talking about. We're pre-loading the experience. And but now, now that they know about it, they like it. It's just that if they're not told they have expectations and you know what I mean? And yeah, absolutely. And, but you're also setting an expectation for them where they now yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So it's true. It's true. At least they're, they're warned. And I think that's just something I hope Americans of the future would just like to be pleasantly surprised instead of always being told, but that's, that comes from the, the, the comfort zone that every Americans are, uh, nestled in and uh, so everywhere you go you know exactly how it's gonna go you know you're gonna have your your ticket and then you go there and then there's a valet and then there's a server and you know exactly how this one is gonna taste like because it's in every other restaurant and this and that and it's the comfort zone is something that is nice uh, because it, it brings you uh, uh, you know comfort of course and warmth but but it is never gonna make people uh, go beyond and that's what we did at the restaurant. We tried absolutely not to have the comfort zone that people would expect. And uh, and it works. I, I love this because I find this when I go overseas a lot and it's something I'm accustomed to. Like I even do it in America. I'm probably a little bit too pushy. But in everywhere else, they're not going to bother you. They're not coming up to you. Do you need more water? Do you or whatever? Your eating experience is yours. I'm here to serve you, give you the experience and make it so you experience everything. And I'm here to just be, you know, I fly on the wall for lack of a better term, a ghost in, in the way the food comes and you order it from and we talk and I recommend it, but for it's seamless. But in um, America, it's very much about getting that tip and being a part of the service and, and glorifying it. But so I find a difference there in that experience and what the expectation is a little bit also. Um, and I don't remember exactly what my thought was because my thought went off of just that type of mindset of, of we tip here and we don't in Europe. And 
we never I've never really talked about it on the podcast, but do you want to talk about that? I mean, you would know a lot about that. Do you see a difference when people get tips versus not tips? Have you uh, seen that being yeah. in France? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting discussion. Uh, I uh, at first, you know, like seven years ago or ten years ago when I visited Nashville and even the US in general, like every single French person, I was like, Oh, why we have to tip people? Oh, it's annoying. I'm, I give them five percent because why you know <laughs> that's what happens yeah. with every single french person yeah but after a, a certain time i realized how brilliant that system is because yeah. it is a strong strong mo- motivation uh, for the entire restaurant industry it's a motivation for everyone yes at the end the clients paying it's true but they also are the uh they decide on, on what they pay so if they had a great service they can be generous or not. They decide. No one's forcing them. Uh, it, it helps tremendously the business owners to be able to have staff without having to have a huge uh, payroll going every week, paying everyone by the hour uh, a large amount. Uh, and it helps the servers give better service. So it's, it's a huge motivation factor in the restaurant industry. And I think this system works absolutely so well uh this is also what helped us keeping staff uh instead of being short staff because the, the servers at my restaurant i make a lot of tips so they get great they give great service and they know about it they, they they can't have an attitude or whatever because their whole paycheck depends on it so it brings a better standard <laughs> i'm talking a bit fast but still yeah. it brings a better standard in the restaurant industry uh, at least a better service. I guess that's how it should be because it's changing a little bit these days. Yes, I agree with you. But uh, but yeah, people expect to have twenty twenty five percent, and they act like a dick. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, dude. Like, I, uh, yeah. it's, if you, if you're a shitty server, I don't see why I give you your twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I decide yeah. on this. It's my money. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's great. Imagine like uh, in in Tennessee, it's a uh, uh, two thirteen an hour that we pay our servers. And and this is such a huge help for uh, entrepreneurs because it makes you want to build more businesses because you know that once you have a lot of clients, everybody's going to be happy. The clients are going to be happy to be generous with a good server. Your server is going to be happy to make great money because they give good service. And the the business owner is going to be happy to not have a huge, huge payroll check. And also, I mean, it's a great concept. I love it, and I love it too. Because whoever thought about it, or whoever initiated, it, or whatever restaurant tour started it, <laughs> here's the brilliance in it from an operator standpoint. From someone who's right signs the front of the checks, like hundreds of them a week at one time, <laughs> if not thousands. Um, is this is it's so great that you make the money off the food. You know what your margins are. You know what your hourly rate is for the waiters. There's no. And they're making their money, basically, they're running for the bonuses. They're running for the bonuses. They're running for the bonuses, which helps your restaurant. And you don't get a part of the tip, but them running for the bonuses, they get the bonuses. So you don't need to divide out bonuses. You're just worried about the profitability of your business. And they're worried about the bonuses, which is making them do great service or hopefully making them do great service or inspiring them, I should say, not making them to do great service. So that's huge. Um Wow, I I agree with that 100%. And I'm always trying to like play devil's advocate a little bit, but it's um it is true. No matter what there is, there's way more opportunity for growth 
as a food person or in the food business, even if you're not an entrepreneur in this way, because you learn so much how to deal with people and what people value and what they're willing to pay for and what they're not willing to pay for. Great yeah. service doesn't always make a person tip more. They want to, you'd ask them how they are. They want you to tell them that they're a lucky man, how beautiful their wife is. <laughs> you know, the, like you got to stroke egos and I there's entertainment. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but uh, whatever. But, you know, there are some things that like you have to stroke egos and it's not always in a way that you want to, but you know, it's, but that's how, that's how it should be in a yeah. restaurant business. Anyway, yeah. you go there for a show, you go there for uh, a discussion with a server that doesn't really matter deep inside, but you still, you know, you go, it's, it's a big show. That's what it is. Yeah. I love it. And I think you have it so down with the way you do the purpose and the idea, and then you sort of scripted it, and you're like, oh, I wrote it on there so they can expect the experience. They're already knowing I'm preloading it. And <laughs> yeah. it's really important because most people don't do that. They try to pivot their restaurant all over the place and and fix it and may change the furniture in there and get all new things. You're yeah. like, no, 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 no. I'm sticking to my vision. I'm the <clears throat> entrepreneur. I'm not changing exactly. it. You yeah, need that's... to come where I am, not me come to where you are. Yeah. What so I, what I, I would say, and that's the advice I gave to the young couple that that is buying one of my bars. Uh, I told them, you know, being a, a business owner is to struggle between keeping uh, things the way you like and the way you want them, and still being able to please your customers. You don't want to be a thousand percent doing exactly what a customer does, and you don't want to do, be doing exactly what you want to do. It has to be that beautiful balance where, uh, where you know, everyone is pleased by the other. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you in that there's a mutual relationship and it's almost like an infinity symbol because it has to be continuous from both sides. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's just one of those things and it's a lifelong relationship with your client. It's not that person just ate here once. If you do this right and your servers do it right, like people actually don't realize this because they don't stay in the business long enough. But there's like people like that, and I hear about this in DoorDash also, like people want their drivers back. They had such a good experience or they want that, they go to <laughs> yeah. that restaurant just for that server. It's not even about the food anymore. It's about the experience and getting to interact with that server. The food is secondary. And I'm sorry that hurts everyone's feelings, but that's important. That's important. And the skill that that person's gaining is an entrepreneurial skill, which is very important, which is once you become really good at this skill, at getting people to believe in you or believe in your business and you prove it over years or 24, 25 years like, like we've done or seven years like Mel's done, this is consistent showing of winning and putting food on the plate for people and continuing to stay open as a business. That matters. And it's not overnight people believe in that but the reason they believe is because you put in the work and you have the confidence because of the work you put in so yeah. i love that yeah. thank you um <laughs> let's talk about a little bit i don't want to take too much more of your time since this is a oh, part no two and you um let's talk about like the american dream let's talk about i think you know, as Americans, we get sort of generationally into businesses and we're like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't have that child in our business because of entitlement and worry about it. And really, it's not the entitlement that's the problem. It's not that they're a third generation that's a problem. It's the person holding the gun that's the problem, not the gun itself. Like you as a parent, mm -hmm. we need to instill it in them. So just that being said and me teeing it up in that way, like 
the entrepreneurial attitude for your children as they grow or do you want them involved in your businesses and to learn from it or and to be in it and and how do you do that as a parent because i think it's complicated right but yet at the same time you want to instill that in them so i mean it's it's a complicated question right mel because like your design you future to, legacy. Uh, yeah, how to like really motivate people to become entrepreneurs and, and to fulfill your American dream. Is yeah, that, yeah, of course. Yeah. And how are you going to do with your own children? I mean, yeah. that's important, well, that's right? That's a very, very good question because and I've, I uh, I grew up with no money, really, really low money. I grew up with my, my mother and my sister. It was 500 square foot and that was a lot for us, for example, uh, for, for more like 350 square foot. And we never really had much, uh, and I think that's what motivated me to truly uh, become what I am now. And the difference between me and my children is that they are gr- growing up in in a very, very good environment. They they don't like anything. They, uh, I mean, they they have, yeah, they're just living the life I didn't have when I grew up. And it's gonna be difficult for me to be able to give them the sense of efforts that I learned by. Uh, not having much, um, I, I think maybe it could be in their blood in general, you know, yeah, <laughs> in gen- genetics and and uh, and um, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm still wondering. They're four and five year old, so yeah. uh, they're getting there. I'm just teaching them to learn how to like efforts and to love efforts and wherever it's taking. Uh, cleaning the table at the end of dinner and 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 to show them I think the problem with nowadays even in America in general is that We're not really teaching people to understand that efforts are the key the absolute key of life uh, professional life even life in general because Nothing comes without efforts in this world. I agree and uh, and if you don't make any efforts like people, you know, they they think they're going to become like celebrities. They 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 have you know thousands thousands of followers on Instagram. They want to become an Instagram model or something. Like that. I mean, really, like I I just I just don't understand. Like, you, what do you do in your everyday life? You don't do shit, and you expect to become a celebrity. But why do celebrities become celebrities? Yeah. Why you know why Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt? How many hours a day, or every week, every year, is he spent working on 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 his acting? Uh, I mean, all these people, the greatest people that made it in this world, worked so much to be where they are. No one goes where they are without working. Or if they do, they're not going to last long, you know, and they're not going to be remembered. So we have to really, really get to love efforts again. I really think you struck home on this, okay? We look at Brad Pitt or The Rock and we see these people that are hugely influential on Instagram and social media. But what we don't understand is they had zero at one time. Like, they built from nothing. The Rock got cut from football teams and, you know, even though he won a championship from Miami and football, I believe it was Miami, um, he still went to the CFL, got cut, ended up as a WWF wrestler. And, like, and talk about faking it until you make it. He had to create a whole weird persona called The Rock to fake it until he <laughs> made it, right? 
And so, like, this is real, guys. And faking it till you make it or believing in yourself when no one else does and having to create and entertain people like The Rock did or Brad Pitt did to end up being an influencer, to be able to... The Rock can probably choose most movies. I think now he doesn't even choose the movies. He's like, oh, I have my own producing company. I'm going to produce the movies I'm in. I'll choose the movie, the script, the producer, the director, (laughs) and me to be in it. So that's the power of compounding what we're talking about, of making Mm -hmm. your own choices. And I agree with you on the social media thing. Like it's, well, it's uh, go ahead. It, it's also a generational thing. Uh, it's this instant gratification. You know, uh, people that millennials in general, uh, people my age, uh, were raised. A lot of us were raised by parents thinking that their children was the most unique and wonderful and most incredible person on this planet. Yeah. Which is, it's a good way to think that way for your child. But you know, you have to have some measure. And the delusion that these kids had when they grew up and realized that they were just humans like everybody else and there was nothing necessarily special about them. Uh, this delusion brings a lot of depressed young people nowadays. This coupled with the instant gratification of, of I mean, I would say social media, but even the world in general, uh, people don't understand efforts because efforts take time and no one has wants to their time anymore everyone's impatient everyone wants to get something instant it has to come right away if you if you do something if you you know uh, there's so many very very famous people that struggled 10 years 20 years before they got famous uh and that's how it should be actually yeah so no one should expect things to come easy and especially without efforts and it never lasts if it comes easy. Yeah, I just wanted exactly. everyone to know. And we exactly. talked about this at the beginning in in this sort of world we live in where people can latch on to the success of others and like exponentially, you know, build an Instagram page and and they become and there's this sense of like success around it, but it's not their success, okay? Like I will tell you that there's a difference when you hear conversations or what that what people are aiming for when they're there. So do they benefit the world? Of course, they these these things are needed, but it's different. And I like what you're saying because it's only a matter of time before the next medium comes or whatever comes. And if your whole life is based on your followers on one platform or another, and you're not able to make the reach, I know people went to TikTok pretty easily and stuff like that, but if you're not able to transition into actually building relationships or growing humans or leading them, your skill set in this world is very limited. And Mm -hmm. what you can do with your life regardless of money and regardless of how many followers you have is you can't take care of yourself, period. And you will have to rely on pimping yourself and being used by people because that's what ends up happening when you have just followers or you're just a body or an image on a page. Yeah, Yeah, only yourself can can help. Only you can help yourself. You know, I mean, it's that's the way it is. Yeah, Uh, that's the path to success and victory is working on yourself. That's it. Yeah, and I'm not saying don't put yourself on there if you're working out, but at least make the message positive. Like, have something there that means something. You know, and I agree with you. Um, we don't, we're instilling a little bit unintentionally this instant gratification, and it's hard. I agree. We have. Oh yeah, I was gonna. You know what? I was gonna. I was thinking about this. Like, this is something in America that I think is so wrong, uh, and that's really not helping. Is is that that spirit that you are okay? And I see this like I. 
I, I see this in t-shirts at the mall and I look at this and I'm like, what <laughs> on earth? Who is the person that wrote this? I see t-shirts that says, you are enough. I, I mean, can you believe this? It, it pissed me off so much yeah because I, it sounds like a very positive thing oh you are enough yeah the world is your oyster uh you know <laughs> uh, you are okay uh be yourself and like, no 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 what is that you cannot absolutely cannot think that way do you think we would have been on the moon in 69 if we were thinking that way that I we agree. were enough i agree do you think we uh, we would create a the greatest uh, medical technologies we ever had now we created electric cars if we were enough like how could, on earth can people think that way this is this is what's destroying society right now to me is that spirit that you are enough we're never ever enough we always have to constantly be a better version of ourselves the, the moment where humanity starts to think that they're enough that's the beginning of the end. I agree with you. And we are 100% on the same page on this. And it's interesting you say that because I saw someone in line at Hattie B's the other day with a similar <laughs> shirt to that. And I literally, I I had to like go calm myself down because I was like, and this is the impact yeah. it has on me now because I'm just, I feel so passionate about that we're losing this mentality in a lot of ways. That, mm -hmm. And I feel that it's such a part of my purpose to make sure we keep it that I agree with you. We're never enough. We may be unique, okay, but there's an asterisk. We're not unique when we go follow what everyone does and we're enough because we do what everyone else does and we have our cushy job and we're comfortable and we don't grow. That's not true at all. I don't know where that yeah. comes from. And it's great whoever sold that t-shirt, your parents should be kicked in the teeth. So <laughs> that's the thing. Is so yeah. I'm serious because true. I'm just like, what is going on here? Yeah, and to stay positive, I would say uh, there's other messages that are true, like uh, be yourself. That's a great thing. Yes, you yeah, you should be yourself. Of course, uh, learn to learn to know yourself. Those are things that are important. But you cannot tell yourself that you are enough. That's not possible. Like you are not enough. No one's enough in this world. Actually, there's never a moment where you can start to tell yourself. All right, that's fine. That's enough. I, I, I'm enough. I'm going to stop. <laughs> well, and here's, the you know what I mean? <laughs> and here's the thing. I agree with you. And it's instilled in me so much that I'm not and that I always have to grow that when someone gives, if someone's too complimentary of me, and I'm talk, going to talk about something different than positivity. Positivity to yeah. me is not telling me that I'm something all the time or, or that I'm great. That's not positivity. Positivity is both encouraging me and, and I hate the word condemning me, but in a way it is, is holding me accountable to what I say I'm going to do, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean you're holding me accountable to your morals and ethics and core values, but you're holding me accountable to mine. And that's what I mean about positivity. And um, because that's all we can do is hope a person gets yeah. better by leveraging their own core values. And Yeah, absolutely. That's positive, you know? And that's so, good development. Exactly. And so, you know, I'm not trying to be... <laughs> a jerk, but I don't know how we continue to grow as a society, how we model growth if we don't do this. And I'm going to I'm gonna steal this from Ed Millett. He's in Arite. He's, he's got the book out there. But one of the things he said was this, is it's a matter of time before our children start, they're getting wiser and they're on social media and they're seeing actual positive people and leaders and entrepreneurs like myself and Mel here do this stuff publicly, and they're gonna come home and they're gonna be like, mom, dad, why are you fake? 
Why are you a liar? <laughs> Why are you telling me to go trace your dreams when you don't do it? Why are you telling mm-hmm. me that I can be anything I want, but you won't? And then even worse, mm-hmm. when they get like 18 to 22, and you told them that they could have their dreams their whole life, well, honey, I don't know if you want to do that. That's a lot of risk. Are you sure you yeah. want to do that right now? Okay, sorry, that's yeah, what we people, do. People talk, you know, they talk, but actions are a bit different. You yeah. know, it's a, and that's something uh, you're talking about my children. So this is something that's great with children because... Uh, we tend to say that you don't raise children, children raise you. Uh, and I think that's pretty true when they start to be at the age where they are now. My kids, I learn more from them than they learn from me. And what I love about kids is that they would rather see uh, an example of what you're saying 1,000 times more than just you saying it, you know. And uh, I mean, that's what you were saying, you know, with, uh, we keep talking, we keep having these messages or say, oh, positive we should do this should do that but if people don't do it does it really matter exactly. if you just wear the t-shirt that says that uh why i mean i would rather you tell me that's not what you do in your life <laughs> than wearing a t-shirt about it <laughs> all you're doing is saying you're like it's a neon sign that says we can't be friends ever we can't be friends ever or at least in your current <laughs> mindset right because like you're not you and i we're not going to match and we're not going to make positivity in the world it's just going to be an argument over whether we should or not and that's like, and I'm not going to get stuck there. And so that's like, I love this because it's, it's what we talked about there. It's like you're casting light, but it's really darkness. That's darkness. Like you're telling humans to not work hard in their life or go achieve yeah, more yeah. or, or compound it into exactly, our legacy. It's exactly like thing yourself, like, like becoming obese because you keep eating and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, Oh, I'm enough. I'm fine. Yeah. And what you do, you keep being more and more fat, and then, then it's not about uh, your physical aspect. It's about your physical health. Then you're at the, the risk of having a heart attack and die. But you tell yourself you're fine, you're enough. No, no, you're destroying yourself. You know. Yeah, um, I, I'm really there with you on this as well because we we're like playing a trick on our own mind. <laughs> And I, I talk to this about people I coach and mentor. Like, you got to be very careful with this mindset or this victimization mindset that's going on in culture oh, of not to the worst. not to recreate the truth in your head when you look in the mirror. Like, there's a reason, like, in 75 Hard, we take a picture of ourselves in the mirror mm-hmm. every day if you're in that program. Because you have to be honest with yourself. Am I losing weight? Am I doing the thing? Am I actually doing it? And here's the funny part about this program and programs like this is I actually don't lose weight if I just do the exercise part, but I have to do the, drink the water, 10 pages yeah. a day, take the picture. It's the discipline, guys, over a long run. And I think that's what Mel's hitting on. It's not just, oh, I, I'm enough. It means, no, you're not. It means you're not willing to put in the daily effort that grows you. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't put in the daily effort that grows you, I'm making such distance on you by the time <laughs> I'm 42, 50 years old right now. Yeah. And you know, these people usually are always the ones that will blame others for their own condition. Absolutely. And that's something I hate the most is because you are what you, your, your life is what you make out of it. You know, yeah. of course, there's, of course, there's, there's struggles based on, on who, who you can be, your social status, your social class, your, your race, and all that. Of course, like this is not undeniable. Yeah. But at the end, still, you are, you're making your own life, you yeah. know, and, and this, it's not, no, no uh, secret why there's been 
the most successful people in this world come from all different environments. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's not only one type of people. And you're spot on, and I I, I agree with you. That's exactly the um, the difference. Is it's not entrepreneurship or creativity just in one area. We have an ongoing renaissance going on in America. Okay. And it's up to us not to put it back into a dark age, okay? And anyone who's read history, I really want to emphasize this. We think, I talk about day-to-day and having the discipline to, to execute things, but I'm still conscious of not only my lifetime and what I don't want to happen or I don't want to regret when I die, but I'm also conscious of what my legacy might be like if I make the wrong decisions or I don't pursue the things that make a difference. And so it's the ability to take that back down every day. And I think Mel hits this home. It's these daily things. If I look in the mirror and I see in my shirt, um, I'm enough a lot of times every day, I'm going to really believe that, really, to my yeah. core. And it's and never going to change. You that, if your neighbors keep telling you that, if, if the T-shirts at the mall keep telling you that, then where is America going? <laughs> where are we going? Yeah. You know, everyone's going to be enough. Oh, so what are we going to be... Uh, anyway I agree with you 100% and I think one of the reasons I've enjoyed you and and we're I'll I'll start to wrap things up here is that you get the picture clearly because you are an entrepreneur and it's very hard for individuals Mm -hmm. outside of the entrepreneurial space to understand the American dream because you're riding on the coattails of someone else's American dream, whether or not that dream was built 150 years ago, like J.P. Morgan. Okay, mm-hmm. there, it was still there. So it's very hard for you, for everyone who's not in that space to understand it. That's why I'm specific of about course. food and entrepreneurs. I don't need a marketing entrepreneur on here because I agree they have their struggles, and but it's different than being in food. And there's a majority of entrepreneurs are actually in food. And so our struggles are different. They're very tangible and they're very long-term. And the reason I like it, because it displays to the world what real tangible hardship equates to and the results and the success that can happen, not because you're anything else. I'm a regular dude. I've never been the smartest dude in the room. But I will tell you this. I will outwork you and I will get up more times than you. Period. I don't know how to stop. And I don't know why. And at 42 years old, it goes back to I never thought I was enough. I always actually have believed I've never been enough for anything or anyone. Absolutely never any any successful person has thought that way. That's it. You really think Mike Tyson told himself, oh, no, I'm enough. You know, I mean, all all these guys. uh, I mean, that's it. Like, uh, no one will ever tell you that. So you you, you can be the best greatest version of yourself or you can just be enough it's your call and i I just hope people don't decide to be just enough i agree (laughs) with you and i'm going to use this example because there is a fight and you should have it in you and mike tyson had won how many matches and done how many things and he got in the ring with evander holyfield i think it was and he bit (laughs) off the ear that's how much the fight still exists in him it was a bad (laughs) mood bad publicity but he was that hungry to win and and, yeah. and be that. And that's what I'm talking about, guys. And I'm not saying to be destructive or bite off someone's ear. But you don't want negative people in your life. You, you don't want negative people influencing your children and your legacy. And it's hard to do that because we send kids to school and all that. But what yeah. I was trying to really get out of this podcast and, and the thing with Mel is I'm starting to figure out things to get more focused. And I have a lot of the outside noise now 
out of my mm-hmm. head where I can focus as an entrepreneur on what my true vision is for this podcast and and really focus and, and really hit the ground running and gaining momentum is that, is if we continue to do things positively, we continue to not think we're enough and we continue to stack wins every day and little disciplines like Mel was talking about cleaning off the table every day. I make my bed every morning. It's like one of those things I will never forget. And if Mm -hmm. I don't do it and I get like one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm off. I know that I didn't make my bed in the morning. And as soon as I did that, I threw off my routine. Okay. And so this is what I'm talking about. And it seems weird and everyone wants to be free and free love. It exists. Ask Mel. Life exists and he's having a great time, but he's getting to choose the life he wants. And sometimes that is being an entrepreneur, knowing that you're making a difference, knowing that one day it gets better because you you believe it because you've already seen it. And Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that's also the lesson I was trying to tell people with Overlord. It comes to what you just said is don't forget that freedom always comes at a price. Freedom does not uh, just happen that way and you never take it for granted because when you become too comfortable, that's where you start to lose it. You know? Yeah, and I agree. And I think that's everything in life. Um, if you get too comfortable, you lose things. You lose your mm-hmm. relationships, you lose your marriages, Yeah, you lose absolutely. your businesses, um, friendships. And Americans have a tendency of being too comfortable usually. <laughs> yeah, I 100% and it's and I'll just straight up say it and and I I am divorced and but it is why our divorce rates are the way they are because often if uh, there's a growing person in the relationship and there's a comfortable person it will never work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in America there's we have a more growing people per per basis whatever the measure is on you know on average than anywhere else in the world I would say but it's still we we tend to attract opposites and uh, and in doing so as entrepreneurs we can often attract darkness we can also often attract someone who's gets comfortable and we as entrepreneur because of that comfort want to always make them comfortable and we mistake that our uncomfort to make them comfortable it's actually negative for us. We don't. We shouldn't want to make them comfortable, and they shouldn't want to make us comfortable. It should be we're we're trying to make life easier for each other, and we're merging into each other's lives. But comfortability should not be the goal ever. Co- growth should always be the goal, and embracing the hardship. At least in my opinion, um, uh, mm-hmm. I'll let Mel close us out with how he wants to close on that last comment, and, and then we're out of here, guys. The. Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> I just wanted to, uh, just your thoughts on, um, you know, the consistency that you've had in your life, how it's compounded and the effects that you've seen because of it. Because I think a lot of people quit after a few months or a couple years oh, yeah. and and they give up on the American dream or they give up yeah. on their dreams. So let's end it with well, that. I may, I may not be the, the greatest example because I've also... I quit on a lot of things in life. I also divorced. I also have open businesses that I sold a little bit too fast yeah. uh, because I wanted to move to something else. But, uh, you know, life is long and it's here to give you a lesson. And every month, every year, I learn much more about myself like everybody else. So, uh, like Nietzsche would say, uh, be who you are, you know. So you have to learn to know yourself deep inside and to not make the same mistakes you've, you've done in the past. And um, most of it learn from your mistakes. And um, yes, uh, it's so hard nowadays to be patient anymore. That's something we 
patience is a virtue that is lost so much because you can just order a latte on, on uh, Uber Eats and, you know, and not having to wait. You can order something on Amazon Prime and it gets to your door two hours after uh, the, the whole world of nowadays. It's like we were saying earlier, instant gratification. Everything is instant. Everything is just so fast. We absolutely lost the notion of time and we expect everything to happen so fast. So patience is lost a little bit and that's that's my path right now in life is to learn how to be more patient so i suggest to everyone to do the same because that's that's the only way you can make things work in life and i am on the same path actually because i've i find that as societies become more instant gratifying they put pressure on me to be more instant gratifying to them especially people that work for me or or want something from me or I have to deal with in business. And it's very interesting to me because if I take it on, I lose patience. And patience, just so everyone knows, I'm pretty sure is directly correlated with love because I don't know how you love someone more than having patience for them and their growth and their situation. I just don't know. And I think I'm pretty sure it's tied to the Bible and Jesus and all that stuff too for for everyone out there just to make that point. But I agree with you. There's no patience in the world. So thank you, everyone. Um, that's not no patience in the world. There's a need for growing more patience in the world, I should say, is a better way to put it. So thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. Uh, also, if you want to hear us, we're on Spotify or anywhere else you grow yourself through podcasts. Have a great day, and thank you, Mel, uh, thank for you jumping so on. Much.